this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 9, Episode 14, titled Scars. Aaron, what do you think of this episode? I really like this episode. I was somewhat underwhelmed with the actual origin of the Scars being a simple branding. Like, I had worked myself up into thinking there was some kind of complicated organ theft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like there's some kind of... Uh, repo man outfit needing kidneys and taking I, kidneys and, i was looking for forrest whitaker i never found him and that never manifests but man they did the betrayal of michonne and making it so personal and so scary and then like they uh, as soon as like i saw that it was like her best friend this one in a million thing they gave her this pep talk about rick and then broke her heart in the morning i'm like oh i can see why michonne yeah. It's such a hardliner. And it just kept getting worse. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I love how they paired the Judith stuff off, you know, in the, in the flashback and the present day. Uh, you know, th- that really, it, it, it runs the risk of feeling too writerly, right? Like too arranged. But it, I mm-hmm. thought it worked out really well. Yeah, and it's like I thought um, I'm I'm really liking Judith more and more because like I thought that moment where she had a talk about like a, a level talk with her mom about like the things that happened in the past that Michonne is uh, Michonne assumes she's protecting her from so many things that this kid had memories of which yeah. you know makes sense that you know you you remember things that are like super I don't know you remember random shit when you're real young but like things are like traumatic or impressive or whatever you're gonna you're gonna have a much better odds remembering a war crime or a Walt Disney trip at three years old than a random, you know, trip to grocery store. Right. So it all, it all made perfect sense. And, uh, I, I really enjoyed seeing, uh, Rutina Wesley. Um, I'm a big true blood fan and she's a pretty big part of that show. And they cast her as Jocelyn Mm. as Joss here. And I thought that was super effective, which I'll talk about in the the, the, the commentary itself. But it's really nice seeing her again. And again, you know, they're just they're just effortlessly playing with these stakes and some of the stuff that I thought was annoying or like, you know, geez, oh, is the payoff ever going to be worth it um, for the scar shit? Yeah, it, it, it really was. So mm-hmm. I was I was really happy, really pleased with this episode. Uh, how about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with every, everything you said. Um <laughs> I I don't know. We're 14 episodes into season nine, and I look the first seven uh, the the last seven seasons don't feel like they didn't happen at this point. I still remember mm-hmm. like the shitty road that we had to hoe to get here. Um, mm-hmm. But they've really turned it around this season. I think you know it's it's I don't know how <laughs> I'm still waiting for the trade fair. Um, and there's this paper <laughs> tiger, literal paper tiger, um, to show up. And see how that all concludes, but so far so good in this season. It is, it is, and uh, that's that's the I guess the infuriating thing going forward about Walking Dead is to realize how easy it could have been, like a one season turnaround to, you know, like like uh, especially with yeah. the time jump that makes everything seem like, yeah, did that really happen, or uh-huh. was this person's death as stupid as I thought? Like they can just vaguely gesture to things like Glenn and Abraham's death, sure. And you don't think like when when Michonne and Negan were going toe to toe over that stuff. I'm not thinking Dumpster Glen uh-huh. and Dolphin Smooth and all the other stupid <laughs> shit. I'm just thinking of like, oh right, yeah, this like Christ and he's he had an honest conversation with Judith about that. Holy shit, mm-hmm. it, it 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 works, it works. Um, and that's I guess the frustrating thing is like, man, you pulled Scott Gimple out three years ago 
uh, boy, this show's in a lot better shape, it seems, or I don't know. Uh, maybe the 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 the, the you'd ran some fans off. I don't I don't understand because this isn't like fucking Shakespeare, right? This you don't have to read subtitles to get this. It's just yeah, competent drama. And I mean, they they still do stupid shit. Like they still have a somewhat low opinion of their audience. I think like the final line in this episode, we have to tell Alpha. That that's like, are, are you fucking kidding me? Does does no one does anyone watching this not realize that's exactly what they're gonna do first thing? So mm-hmm. I I don't know. It's it's a split. Like, yeah, the the show itself has gotten much much better, but I still feel like I just wish they had a little more faith in their audience uh, across that's the probably, board. That's, that's fair because you're. I was thinking like, what what's what what's wrong? And then I start thinking like, yeah, you're right. That is. You know, is what there's another whisperer band. We don't know who this place is affiliated. These people are affiliated right. with. We don't understand the significance of them stumbling upon the front gates of the kingdom at fe- festival time. Right. We have to right. report back to the Alpha. There's some sort of festival <laughs> of perhaps trade hmm. that could be say disrupted. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but but, but I mean, it's so uh, much better, and and yeah, it, like I guess when Angela Kank took over, I was like, okay, well, she's written some really good episodes of The Walking Dead. Um, I, I just didn't think that one person could sort of step in and turn this whole ship around <laughs> and take us back to shore. Um, but it seems like she's she's done it. Uh, and I don't know if she's like swapped out the entire writing team or what, but it's gotten so much better. Well, and that's the other thing is, um, I think that at some point in the last few years, the conventional, because like at the beginning of the golden age of television, like everyone just lined up to suck showrunner dick. You know, if you had a hot show, then they endlessly fascinated with the interviews and, you know, postseason wrap ups and all that. And I feel like the last few years, some of that's calmed down a bit because it's kind of like, you know, it's a writer's room, blah, blah, blah. But man, this kind of this this kind of proves that no, there you can set a tone and you can, you know, I guess instill a sense of professionalism or maybe work ethic. Like maybe Scott just got to be a late, uh, you know, got to be a lazy showrunner. He's handed all this success very early on. He went from like essentially junior writer to executive producer in a single season. I don't want to psychoanalyze him, but it's it, yeah. Uh, turns out like uh, having having a competent showrunner that gives a shit about the material, that respects the fans and their characters, is a huge boon. And you know, uh, you can't just plug. You can't just. They're, they're not just like interchangeable cogs in a machine. Some of them operate better than others for sure. Absolutely, and it's not like this season has particularly interesting material to work with and that's why it's better right it, it seems like they've had really super interesting material that they could have used uh in interesting ways in previous seasons and they just didn't um, it really makes or me they wonder... tried to use it the same way over and over again and it just wore off yes that's the thing it makes me yeah. wonder like what kang would have done with uh the savior wars you know? yeah man or i she, want to mulligan on that over <laughs> Yeah, if she'd taken over on Terminus and kind of goosed this stuff along a little bit, um, maybe cut out a whole... Se- I, but I don't know, because the thing is, is like... this Does this season feel overstuffed as far as terms of plot? It's it's taken its time, but it's invested mm-hmm. its time much smarter than in previous uh, iterations of the show. Like, yeah. you know, it wasn't just like, oh, God, we need a three-episode arc because what the hell else are we going to do that doesn't mm-hmm. really connect with anything, doesn't move a character's arc forward. These things are all just like, there's six or seven mini arcs that have been given to various characters and they play off each other. Like, look at the tension between Aaron and Michonne now that Michonne's, like, right after Aaron's learned a hard lesson about you know, going outside the walls and he's gung ho about security uh, and law and order. Uh, now suddenly there's tension between him and Michonne because Michonne's kind of changed her mind. Not because, you know, she went out clearing and went crazy, but mm-hmm. she had a lot of conversations with people she respected and loved and were trying to, sh- you know, and th- th- that natural interplay is what I think is, is fascinating. What, what makes what, what makes us care about people when they die and want this and root for them to live, you know? Like there's yeah. not as I, I this is the first time in a long time I I can't think of a single person in any of the communities where I'm actively rooting for them to die. <laughs> like maybe barcode tattoo that's his leftover, mm-hmm. you know that's leftover Gimple stench I think. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I'm having trouble thinking of one. 
Here's what's new in premium content for our club members. Badass Fest 6 is just around the corner. Do you have your tickets yet? We promise you don't want to miss our secret badass movie and ensuing podcast. Festivities happen live at 7 p.m. on June 21st in Cincinnati, Ohio. Get your tickets now at baldmove.com slash live. Back to our regularly scheduled broadcast time for lunch with Jim and Aaron this week. That's right. I'm back from Wonderfest, no doubt, with lots of model talk. Catch the live stream at 1 p.m. or check out the podcast later that evening. And finally, if you're a Patreon Club subscriber, you should know that you need to change your selected tier. Whether you want to downgrade to save some money or upgrade to keep your current features and get access to a whole new set. All the details of the changes are outlined in a post on our Patreon page, so head over to patreon.com slash baldmove right now and give it a look so you don't lose access to all the premium content. If you want more Bald Move in your life, head over to support.baldmove.com to find out how you can get tons of bonus audio and video content, plus ad-free feeds. Since the dawn of time, we've been putting clothes on our back that identify us with our people, our group, our tribe. And why Bald Move might be one of the smallest, weirdest tribes out there, transcending all concepts of border, class, culture, and creed, we still have respect for the old ways. At support.baldmove.com, you can get t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more. We have something for every one of our podcasts, or just wear the four pips of the Bald Move logo with pride. Bald Move merch beats running around naked, and they make a great gift for the Bald Move fan in your life. Join our tribe! Head over to support.baldmove.com and click on merch to start shopping. All right, well, let's get over to uh, the outline here, over the recap. We start off with flashbacks, and this one's going to be tough um, because there are flashbacks interspersed randomly throughout this episode, and they're fast and furious with the cuts uh, between modern day and the flashback. I will say that I'm glad that The Walking Dead didn't get, try to get too fancy. It's just, you know, they they threw a sepia tone filter on the stuff that happened in the way back. And uh-huh. it's super easy to tell from cut to cut, transition to transition, what timeline we're in. I feel like previous seasons wouldn't bother or would do something weird and fucked up. Yeah. Uh, with the pal- with the palette or something would clash with their day for night shooting. But this was just, yeah, well, I had no trouble. But also Michonne's hair is subtly different. You know, she's oh, got yeah? the the side. Yeah, she's got like side cut shaved in the the current timeline, uh, where she's like, you know, wall to wall dread, uh, or temple to temple dread in in the flashback scenes. Hmm. But uh, I'm glad because, like I said, yes. I, I feel like this could this could have gotten to be a mess if they didn't have something really simple and conventional and almost instinctual to tell the difference between like old and new. I didn't notice any of that. The, the thing I noticed is how many children were being slain. Uh, that, uh, that was what really grounded me in the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. The dozens of children meeting right. their end at the edge of Michonne's blade. Uh-huh. I, I thought that's what they were doing. Uh, oh, okay, flashback to a pregnant Michonne slaughtering washed-up walkers down by the river where she finds Rick's revolver. Um, and this is j- just after, like, it can't be more than a week after Rick's disappearance, right? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Yeah, uh, long enough for Daryl to walk the river to the ocean and back. But again, they're in the Baltimore area, so the the rivers the the ocean's not that far away. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, probably a week or two, a couple maybe. Uh, Daryl says he hasn't found Rick, but he'll never stop looking. He just wants to be alone while he does that. And then back in the present, Michonne ritually polishes Rick's gun, which is not a euphemism. Uh, Daryl shows up at the front gate with Henry, Lydia, and Connie in tow, and Michonne lets him in. We get a little more of the flashback letting uh, some survivors inside, including someone she knows named Jocelyn. Yeah, so I think this, uh, I like the reveal of how, I, I didn't really care how Judith got Rick's gun, but I thought it was cool that they showed, you know, her retrieving it out of the mud bank anyway, and then mm-hmm. flash forward it to, you know, Judith's got her own little box and she's restored and cleaned it and all that good stuff. Um, and then I remember when 
they contrasted Daryl at the gates, and here you get this fantastic tension between Aaron because Aaron's like, "We're you know, yeah, we all love Daryl, but he's he's got a stranger with him, stranger danger." And she's like, "Well, I trust Daryl." Um, and then they flash back and and compare it to her friend Jocelyn, played by Rutina Wesley, and. I remember thinking when I just saw all these children and like I couldn't tell, you know, everyone's hair is matted and they're filthy. And I'm like, I'm very curious of how they're going to make me. There's th- three episodes left in the season. How are they going to forge any kind of emotional connection that's worth a damn uh, to, to have this actually play out? And mm-hmm. boy, howdy, would, was I, was I going to eat my words before the end of this episode? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Angela Kang's like, hold my beer. And yeah. Yeah. And just knocks uh, out of the park in one. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think, I think it starts with you cast someone like Rutina Wesley, who has an enormous amount of chemistry with Denai Guerrero. Mm-hmm. And they just fall into this, like, kind of like, I mean, it's wild. Like, a, you know, this bestie that you thought you'd lost, it'd be like, if I found you 15 years into the zombie apocalypse, you know, like, what the fuck? Uh-huh. Uh, of course, I'd be uh, maximum guard on you trying to steal my medicine, my food, my children, but. Rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, infamous, infamous child stealer, Jim Jones here. <laughs> sure. But I, I think you cast some and that's that's, you know, like a lot. I feel like in previous seasons they would waste on like casting like this um, or they would cast some X, you know, just above extra level that saves some money. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you get a professional here and she's really good at doing exactly what she needs to do and then subverting that thing for maximum emotional devastation, which yeah. as this defo- I'll continue to go through and, and think and, and say how much I really enjoy what she did on the show. Um, but, yeah, that's how you make you care. Step one, cast appealing uh, an appealing person that has good chemistry with the main cast. So it feels like, you know, one of those old Star Trek The Next Generation episodes where Picard... <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, we went to Starfleet together. Now we're both captains. And it's like sometimes he had that chemistry with people and sometimes he did not. Yeah. Um, the chemistry is in spades in this episode. Uh, and, you know, probably going to get overlooked in this episode is Denai Guerrera, uh, because she's been on the show for so long and we're just so used to seeing her. But she's, you know, it. you can't bring in the guest actor to do really well unless the main actor is there to support them. Uh, and they've they've done that here i mean she's a super duper star now she yeah. can do literally anything uh the show's extraordinarily lucky to continue having her. i did find myself thinking that in scenes like what the fuck is she still doing on this show <laughs> like they Getting can't paid. keep they Long-term can't keep contract. lauren cohen around they can't keep right uh right fucking rick Rod, whatever his name is i can't remember uh yeah <laughs> andrew lincoln and abraham lincoln <laughs> abraham lincoln around <laughs> How is and he? She is a much bigger star than either of those two. How is she still point, on yeah. this show? It, it felt like be, she she must just do this because like eh, I don't have any you know I can't make movies year round. So I guess let's do this thing in Georgia for two weeks or whatever they want me to shoot. Done. Yeah, I it's it's I don't know. Um, I I don't know how the calculus played. It could be that like this is she still playing out her last uh pre black panther uh contract yeah uh, it could be that in. like it could be that like hey, i've got her i've got yeah i've got, I've got a nice like dennis rodman role in a huge uh, marvel franchise do i want to put all my eggs in that basket or do i want to keep doing this other genre work and some other indie kind of stuff like it, it could be just you know her building a nice portfolio because um, yeah. she she does I especially I don't know the other thing is Angela Kang might be like look I know you've been dying out here on an island I'm going to give you some good shit mm-hmm. I'm going to give you some you know like it's funny because like it wasn't eight episodes I was clowning on the r slash the walking dead subreddit for like oh that isn't it time for this show to start getting some Emmy nominations and I'm like Oh, yeah. And that's still kind of ridiculous, but mm-hmm. not nearly as ridiculous as it was to me six months ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's talk about one of the things I didn't like. One of the few things I didn't like in this episode. This right. song that they play at the beginning, which I guess is by mm. Boy Genius. It's it's called Souvenirs. I Something about the tone of it when she's like out there slaughtering walkers and finding this gun Sometimes they just don't choose the best music. And th- there was a case of that. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of 
weird shit they picked, you know, early on in this season. Uh, yeah, when Jesus was spinning records in Hilltop, I remember being bizarre choices. Yeah. And, and when they, they were doing like a bad. pan, yeah, pan over uh, the hilltop and their crops and stuff with the drone shot. And I remember just god awful music. And this isn't that bad, but it just totally was weird to me. Yeah, I think a lot of the, you know, I really uh, praised the musical choices last e- week because some of those Gonzo Wild West themes just really yeah. suited, you know, uh, Angus Sampson and the Highwaymen really well. But yeah, no, this is something this show doesn't do particularly well is the the licensed music. Uh, yeah. I, I, I said it's the anti-Breaking Bad. because Breaking Bad every time they did throw some <laughs> licensed music. It's like you either didn't hear from it, you never heard of it before. And it's a fucking banger. Perfect for the, the shot. Uh-huh. Or it's something they had in their back pocket that they were just waiting for the right time to deploy. Right. This Crystal is Blue just like persuasion, something like that. Well, she's she's out there looking for stuff. So uh, <laughs> let's, let's type that into Google search and uh, souvenir. Yeah, that's something you find. Right. OK, throw it in there. Uh, yeah, it, it might be that simple. It feels like it might be that simple. And unfortunately, that's not the best. I mean, you got Bear McCreary, who, you know, is is doing still doing the music for this show 528 yeah. years later. So I don't know why you got to go to this mediocre to, to bad pop music. It's almost shit that like you think they invented for the show. And then you look it up and I'm like, oh, no, they actually got a license for that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Henry gets his leg sewn up. We're we're obviously in the the modern times here. Uh, Connie thanks Michonne for everything, but she just gets the stink eye from her. Uh, Aaron <laughs> says no one seemed to follow them. He's talking about Daryl and, and the group. And then we get a flashback to Jocelyn trying to leave to find her friends. And Michonne asks what she needs. She just says, "I need your help." Uh, yeah, I uh, I I question Aaron's logic in this scene. What do you so, mean? So he's like, he comes up to Michonne and, and he says, uh, doesn't look like anyone doesn't look like they were followed. Daryl covered his tracks. And then also, also Aaron says, if those skin jobs are looking, they'll find us soon enough. And I don't know how those things are in, it are not completely incongruous. Like Daryl did a great oh. job. No one yeah, followed yeah, yeah. him. And yet they're bound to find us immediately. Why? I think I think both those because they're like the communities are all in somewhat close proximity. So it's like you if a trail, you can go right there. But if they just do any kind of like systematic search of the county, they're bound to find them sooner or later. So I think it's like one that you're supposed to understand. It's that it's like uh, Hmm. even though they haven't run into them in the last 10 years. I don't know how long they've been in this apocalypse, but they've never encountered them in 10 years. And now suddenly yeah, they, they're bound they, to find us. Are these guys local? Because I guess I assumed that they, I guess that I assumed that they rolled in like with some herd that they've Could been be. following. But didn't they establish that she started in like a Baltimore or East Coast shelter? And I think they even she's even got the sketch of a Baltimorean accent that she's that that the uh, uh, Alpha is going for. Uh, so yeah, yeah. like if, if uh, I think they should have maybe made this like a New York or Philadelphia based um, something that's like yeah. re- far enough away that you wouldn't maybe bump into each other, but also close enough that you could follow here on foot, uh, especially since we got a group of survivors that went from Georgia to Baltimore, you know, mm-hmm. like they had a great migration of, of their own. So uh, I yeah, it, yeah, it is, it is weird world building staging that they've done yeah i was a little disturbed by Mich- the shortened version of michonne being mish i it, mm. i don't i don't uh, something seems off about that to me but i guess like i was trying to think what what would you call her would you call her shown shown <laughs> yeah like just call Shoney? her own i don't know yeah i it's it's mish it's, works mish is fine i guess like michelle mish mish mm. All right, um, then we are still in flashback. We get a bunch of the group uh, taking Jocelyn to find her friends. Uh, they succeed, and they realize, oh, they're all kids. Yep, that's what they do. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you have anything to say. Like I said, this this outline, this recap is going to be like real chunky because... That's fine. The episode is real chunky. 
so Henry's worried about we're back in the present day. Uh, Henry's worried about his stitches leaving a scar. Lydia thinks it's sexy. Uh, Michonne talks one on one with Lydia and tells her how much she wishes uh, she would just walk off into the woods by herself, uh, thereby eliminating all risk uh, that she's putting on everyone else, which God damn Michelle or Michonne. It's um, it reminds me of kind of like what Russ Cole did where he gained that one woman's trust that and then mm-hmm. like put in the mind that she should commit suicide because she's such a ter- like, you know, terrible person that can't ever be forgiven. Ugh. It's kind of like she's she uses that kind of, uh, you know, she switches on mom mode just long enough to get Lydia to kind of relate to her and then twist the knife. They really needed uh, to bring Carol in for this because Michonne, man. I've never seen Michonne do anything that would make me think she th- this is something she'd do. Whereas Carol, man, Carol would fall right into this. You know, bring a tray of cookies and convince Lydia somehow that this was her idea to walk off into the woods. Yeah. See, I think I think Michonne is capable of it because you know she, what caused her to snap in the first case is losing her family, mm-hmm. and now that she improbably has this, you know, post-apocalyptic family that she loves so much that she would be willing to do anything, including psychological <laughs> warfare against a child to, per, to, to keep it. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I thought it was in that like envelope of she'll do anything to keep her community safe at this point. Sure. Um, yeah. What uh, Lydia fingering Henry scar, mm-hmm. like just, just really working her, her grimy fingernails in there and like, uh, yeah, you know, can I lace and unlace this? Can I get, can I, can I, uh, yeah. can, can I find a moist tender part? And Henry's just like sitting there taking it. Like what, I, the, who directed this scene? I want to know. Like I, well, yeah, Henry I mean, should have screamed. Like, like I, I get like maybe a 15 year old girl's like, I'm just going to grab my boyfriend's scars. Cause I don't know what the hell to do. I've been walking with the dead. I don't know how romance works. <laughs> but Henry should be like, what the fuck are you doing? Get your fingers out of my wound. <laughs> Is this supposed to be like, like the mask? Cause you know how they like stitch up the back of the mask. That's, is this? That, yeah, that's why I was going. Yeah. Like I know how I know how to lace these things up. I know uh, this is, I, I don't know. It's, I thought it was very, <laughs> it was a very bizarre way to play this weird fucking romance. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the episode is called scars. So maybe they just needed to fixate on this for a little while. And I, I don't know what I they're think- trying to do with that. Um, I think you're right. I think they're trying to draw some kind of thematic thing about, you know, not all scars because like that's that's that was a preoccupation throughout the fucking episode. You know, Judith mm-hmm. uh, closes with a scar, not unlike Henry and wondering if it's going to heal. And, you and know, not all scars are bad. Daryl get the X's like, yeah, right, 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 right. So I, I think, yeah, but also don't have her stick her dirty fucking f- zombie previously <laughs> zombie encased fingers in this guy's fresh wound. And and it's, I don't know if look at some point he says like I got to get a, I got to get up I got to walk around and make sure these stitches hold is that proper medical advice are you supposed to try to pop your stitches when you get them just to make sure they're gonna hold do they have you I like mean, run a lap after the doctor puts them in no but I guess the thought is like if you're about to be forced on a march to another community that's far away. You okay. might want to get you might you you know it's it's not like you got a choice to just lay up for a day or two. They're going to kick you out, True. so might as well try it now, where the medic is still there and you can redo it, then get five miles up the road and it just bust up, you know, bust open. I, I'm sure Daryl could carry him, or yeah, Daryl could fucking sew him up. Yeah, he's just like oh yeah, with rabbit guts. get some get some squirrel gut or some mm-hmm. rabbit gut and a fish hook, and just, you know, I have y'all, I have y'all, have y'all patched up, man. Yep. Uh, okay, moving on to Judith telling Daryl that she wants to help. Um, this, they're kind of sitting by a, a river here. I I don't know when Alexandria got a river, but apparently yeah, they like put the in a wind- water feature. They did. They did. They got a windmill, and <laughs> yeah. they got they got a river runs through this community now. They got like a little mill pond set up. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she she asks him to stay. And she wants to help him. Uh, he thinks it's more important to move on and stay isolated so that Alexandria will be safe. And uh, Judith throws Judith starts lobbing a bomb. The bombs uh, says, what would Rick do? Which WWRGD, man. Score some points what would there. Rick Grimes do? Uh, I, I, and I think it's cute. They're they're kind of sitting exactly like each other here. Both knees tucked into their chest. Um, 
Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what they're getting at with that, but there's definitely, I don't know, some bonding happening here. I think it's an, I, I, it might, what I assumed is that that's um, good advice for dealing with children is like to get on their level and assume their posture, um, mirror yeah. their body language. And I just thought that like this is another example of Michonne um, probably reading a book or two about parenting and just being real good at it. Oh, but this is Daryl uh, and Judith. Oh, it's Daryl. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, then okay. I fucking. <laughs> he's terrible at parenting. I'm sure. He's just he's just a child. So he's just mirroring okay. her body language unconsciously because that's how he's feeling on the inside. <laughs> I was wondering, yeah, if if they were trying to compare like two children here. Um, it, you know, I th- I think more of Daryl than that certainly. Um, but yeah, emotionally, he's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and I also like the idea that uh, Judith is attracted to people who level with her, and Daryl's definitely, you know, uh, yeah. Michonne, he, she, Michonne, she asked Michonne, is the hilltop in danger? Of course not, sweetie. Everything's going to be fine. Daryl's like, I don't know, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, and he he doesn't tell her everything, obviously, because that's what not what his mom, her mom wants, but... Uh, I, yeah, Daryl. Daryl turns out he's a pretty good. There's a couple. There's a line later on in this episode that sketches him out to be this dad, and I kind of like thought, the hell are they talking about? But I started thinking, he's kind of a father figure to Henry. He's certainly a father mm-hmm. figure to Judith here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess uh, that's that's why not Daryl, good dad. I'll, I'll go along with it. Sure. All right, the flashback continues. Uh, Gabriel's playing the quiet game with the kids that they found. Uh, Michonne's sad that Rick doesn't didn't get to see it. Uh, and then she and Jocelyn talk about the, uh, how children of the future, essentially. And she realizes Michonne can't live without knowing what happened to Rick and encourages her to go look for him. And I think this is an amazingly written scene, and it really uses uh, Ms. Wesley at her full powers because Tara, her character in True Blood, is one of these characters where, like, you want her to be your girlfriend or you want her to be your girlfriend's girlfriend because she's just utterly reliable. She is challenging in the best kind of ways. She's like, uh, is an excellent listener, but she's also there in like an action capacity if you need her. Um, and she just, I, I felt like she effortlessly slipped into this role. And, you know, like this is a really well crafted speech, like her using the crazy coincidence of Michonne finding her with not ever giving up on Rick. Mm-hmm. And it really, when it turns out that she exploited Michonne at her, like one of her most vulnerable points and exploited one of her oldest trust, it legitimately lit a fire in me. Like I was fucking pissed off at this woman. And I just think that's an excellent use of, of, of casting, like cast a person to be the kind of thing that you're used to seeing them play, but have that be the act. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's 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 a really inventive way to use a character actor, and I thought they did just a, just a, a great job because this is such a a wonderful scene. Yeah, uh, and like you could see, like this is man. If it had gone the other way, what if like uh, Michonne just had her a right hand woman, uh, and all these kids surrounded, and like she never had this the, this betrayal? Like what? How different Alexander in the kingdom and Hilltop would be? Oh, it's yeah. just one of these, you know. Like like one of these events, uh, I, I kept on thinking like, what is the thing that's going to be fucking so bad that's caused all this crazy overreaction? And this episode completely answers it, and it's I think it's 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 smart for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, after seeing this episode, no clue what happened with Maggie, um, which they, they've you know we know a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff, and you know Lauren Cohen is not coming back at the end of this season and she's not coming back at the end of the next season. So um perhaps she comes back at the end of next season or this it, maybe yeah the finale two, hasn't yeah, aired yeah. yet. Um yeah yeah so far she's not back and we still have a whole other season to watch. So they can't really I, like push that too far forward. Yeah. Um and, I thought they established and taking, that she's with Georgie though, right? What's that? Didn't they establish that she's with Georgie? That she went off Yeah, but to we don't know what the, the I don't think we know what the rift was. Like Mm. why well, everyone be... is so pissed at each other um i think uh, yeah i don't even want to talk about that now because i guess i feel like that michonne had this massive overreaction 
And there's this idea uh-huh. that like it was a small faction within Alexander, like all these parents that, that that were scared shitless that their children were abducted by these strangers that we thought we could trust that we took into our intimate that leak. We let their mother that made this kind of crazy. You let your mother their mothers you let this new girl watch all your kids because she's got a bunch of kids and ah sleep over for everybody. Like what if one of one of what if one of these kids is a Lizzie type, you know, is gonna wake up and murder kids because she's they're just they're traumatized or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But still like they had this reactionary thing within their community. This like, you know, everyone is kind of like gearing up to sign this big compact. Everybody's on on the same wavelength about all this shit. And then this massive reactionary cultural movement swept a community and turned it to kind of darkness, right? Like isolationist Mm -hmm. and, you know, like, fuck you, we got ours. And I can see that like being a huge, like, like what, what Judith said later on, it's like, are do we still love these people? Are they still our family? Why doesn't it feel that way? Yeah. If that state had been gone on for years, which they kind of imply, um, that's a lot of bad blood. Like how many people did Hilltop lose because Alexander wouldn't share medicine or how many, you know, like, is there an old a couple old folks yeah. that starved in the, the kingdom because they would, I can see that shit kind of adding up and, you know, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, if they want to do some flashbacks to kind of like, paint in those holes that'd be cool but i feel like i can squint and see i i don't know i i think you're absolutely right um all those things could logically come of this uh shift in attitude but something about it feels more personal um something between the maggie and 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 michonne dynamic here um every time people talk about it they they speak of it in 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 ways that feel very personal to me and i yeah you know may, maybe they lose somebody important although i'm tr- i'm struggling to think who they don't have in, right. in the current the you know setup that would be personal enough to maggie that she would be pissed off i wonder if she found out about like maggie's involvement in the anti rick conspiracy well no i guess she, they they kind of dealt with that this episode this season when you know maggie came to kill negan and michonne eventually l- let her and then Maggie realized that Rick was right. So right, right. yeah, I, I guess if you're looking for something that's intensely personal, um, I am, I don't know if that's where they're going. They could just be, you know, uh, an ide- ideological split here. Um, and that maybe just going to deal with that. Like when, you said, maybe they're going to deal with that when, um, when Maggie gets back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would think so. But no, I mean, yeah, like I lot don't don't sell ideology short, man. Ideology sure. can definitely split people in in far more comfortable situations than they're living in. Uh, I am well aware of that as an American. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to Aaron and Daryl catching up as they prepare as Daryl's group prepares to leave. Uh, before they go, Daryl tells Michonne that she needs to let Judith know what happened to her father. And I was thinking, yeah, I'd like to know too. Mm-hmm. There, there are a couple of conspicuous shots of this manhole here, and I'm like, okay, they're clearly going to do something with that. Thought maybe someone was going to sneak in via the sewers. Turns out it's the opposite. Yeah, uh, like they they go from there's a dissolve where the sewer grate is unguarded, and then it's got like a big heavy piece of rebar welded over it, uh-huh. and it's like, yeah. And yet, um, okay, they welded the rebar over the manhole, but the the secret teen tunnel. Still wide open. Still wide open. Daryl went out that last episode, like two episodes ago. Well, I'm sure nobody's done a damn thing about it. Uh, yeah, well, if, if Jesus College Roommate had come back with a, a bunch of kids and used that tunnel to you know, steal all the children and medical supplies and kill three people, they might have welded the teenage hole shut, too. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, like, like Alexander, I guess, is like a police state. Governed yeah, over yeah. by Michonne, who is like this unelected dictator, mm-hmm. um, supreme. Like uh, she's a uh, uh, what did they wasn't wasn't that the like Cincinnatus, the Roman general? He, he declared himself dictator during a war condition, and of course he's famously gave all that power up. And Michonne is just yeah. like anti Cincinnatus. <laughs> she's keeping the power. She's that... she's a Clevelandatus, <laughs> <laughs> the equal and opposite of Cincinnatus in all regards. Sure. Okay, uh, back to the flashbacks. Michonne shows the new community members around. Uh, or, or actually, no, she's she's going to look for the, the new community members. So, I, don't, I don't know what's happening here, what's but she realizes the kids they let, are gone. 
Yeah, all the kids they let have a big sleepover with all the other kids at Joss's place, the place that they assigned her. <sighs> uh-huh. So all the parents are like, "Oh yeah, it's a big sleepover, isn't this fun?" And they're going to collect their kids, and they're gone. Gotcha. Okay. And then that that was confusing to me. And then it's like, because like then it's then they've realized their pantry's been cleared out, mm-hmm. the armory's been cleared infirmary. out, the infirmary's been hit. Like, because uh, my other thought is like. How soft has Alexandria got that they don't even have fucking lookouts? But then they established, no, the lookouts have just been murdered. Yeah. Um, Probably like, okay. by children now that we've seen Probably the rest of the Probably by children, right? which makes fucking sense. Because I don't know now how hard Alexandria have to be that <laughs> Night Watchman sees like a 12-year-old coming for- with him with a teddy bear and's like... Uh-huh. Who goes there? It's like, come on. It's like, hey, are you lost? And then uh, they get shanked. That's a child soldier's man. Terrifying. Yep. Yep. Terrifying. Uh, so, yeah, you talked about they see the bloody footprints leading to the manhole, uh, which, uh, man, you know, we talked about how they'll set up a pin just to knock it down uh, very quickly, like in the next episode. This is the next scene. They're just like manhole mm-hmm. cover. Boom. Bloody footprints. Boom. Yep. Uh, appreciating yep. that. And then we go back to the, the modern day here. Judith isn't hungry at dinner, goes to her room. Michonne wakes up in the middle of the night to talk to her uh, about Rick, but she's not in her room. So Michonne goes to see Negan. He hasn't seen her either, and she's suspicious about their conversations. She wants details. Uh, He gives them. He accuses her of being shifty with Judith and that Judith doesn't agree with the ideas Michonne has about isolation. And Michonne realizes, oh, shit, she must have taken Rick's gun. And when she goes to look, she finds a note that says uh, she went to help a friend. I wonder how much Jeffrey Dean Morgan appreciates being given material. Like he got so much shit that he just tried to sell with like his sly smile and his hydraulic, you know, lift implants. And now he can just like share a long verbally complicated scene with another really good Mm co-star and good lighting, (laughs) uh, and dramatic lighting. Like I thought this conversation really fucking crackled. And I kind of went back and forth on, um, but once like, uh, Negan homed in on, well, yeah, you're right. She is like when she like Michonne with a head of steam starts doing all this, my daughter shit. And Negan goes right after it's like, yeah, she is your daughter. And just like you, she's got her own things on how things should be, and she's not taking shit lying down. I mean, that's that, and and Michonne, to her credit, instantly gets it, and that's yeah. like, I think this is a path forward for her and Negan to work together because Negan gave her an insight that allowed her to find and help her daughter. Um, you know, because she started thinking like, what would I do? You know, mm-hmm. when I'm feeling upset, you know, kind of Mister Rogers, what do I do if I'm feeling upset inside and I have feelings that I can't explain? <laughs> I'm We'll go outside and whistle and, and kill zombies, right? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a great scene. Uh, it's a shame that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is confined. It, it took him being confined to a prison cell to get decent material uh, to work with. Yeah. But what are you going to do? And, like, all the thi- all the stories he told and, like, the sh- like Michonne kept looking for weapons to hurt Negan. And he, like, they just don't land because, like, ah, no, I've been completely honest. Yeah. Like, uh... I would have loved to hear the conversation about like what happened to uncle Glenn, you know, uh-huh. uh, I popped that. Yeah. It, it wouldn't be a good one. Yeah. But then he also tells stories on himself, how, you know, Carl got the better of him, how her, his dad beat him fair and square. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Um, and like the fact that then he goes after, like, you know, she just wanting, she's wanting to be you know as badass as carl is and she also wants things to be like carl like everyone did you know like you've betrayed the memory you've betrayed carl's heirloom tomato michonne you you are the one mm-hmm. who has crushed it beneath your ear your heel uh it's it's good stuff it's very very well written it's really well shot and they're acting the hell out of it a plus All right, more flashbacks. Daryl and Michonne are out looking for Jocelyn, and they pause to have a chat about how close she and Michonne Michonne were. Um, She now feels deeply betrayed, obviously. Uh, Daryl knows about about evil people and promises that Jocelyn will pay. They get moving again, and they come upon a kid that they chase into a schoolhouse where they get ambushed by a a bunch, a pack of kids. And then Daryl and Michonne are tied up by Jocelyn's kids and marked with X's. Uh, this this huge Chucky style knife that this PJ guy is running around with, 
uh-huh. I was kind of delighted, you know, like that's a that's a serious fucking knife. That knife is almost as big as his whole torso. Yeah. Um, also, also forgotten to mention the the last scene before the flashback is Jude, Michonne going to open Judas gun case. It's got this adorable written in crayon little girl hand saying uh-huh. essentially like like Henry, you know, it, I, I, it didn't sit well with me or I got to go help my friends or something. I just thought that was. We've seen that like three times this season alone, but seeing it in crayon at the hand of like a nine-year-old girl, I thought was, you know, an especially nice touch. Yeah. Um, but this shit is, this stuff is pretty fucking grim um, to the point where like I was wondering how that Daryl and Michonne would get out of it. <laughs> right. What yeah, did you Are you think? still wondering? <laughs> yeah. Like does Daryl have like a Coke nail that he was working the ropes with? Sure. Um, I mean, I he believe it, he's got he, a he just whistled and an army of squirrels came in and chewed the rope for him. <laughs> Start to, yeah, the just train squirrels. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I honestly, I can almost believe it. I'd believe that he has a little bit of wire on him or a razor blade tucked in a wristband or something that mm-hmm. he's just like MacGyver. You know, he's like a backwoods demented MacGyver. And if you give him a paperclip and chewing gum, you're going to fucking regret it. And he's probably got that shit on him. But and I that's kinda, why it works when they just smash cut to him out and and murdering the guard, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like invent your own Daryl escape. Yeah. Um, and but I also think that Norman Reedus is just done doing stunt work. I think that's a big part of it, right? <laughs> if it doesn't involve riding a motorcycle, he's not going to do the stunt, right? Like, I'll shoot your damn crossbow and I'll I'll hold two knives and a menacing, but I'm not going to fucking do choreograph. And I'm not no, uh, get out of here, get out of here. <laughs> I saw what you did to a stuntman two seasons ago. You murdered him. I want not no part of it. Ooh, too soon. How, how yeah, well, old is fucking Norman Scott Gimple? He's got he's got body a body count. Not only is the show bad, That's but true. he killed somebody making it. It's a tragedy. Born in sixty nine uh, makes him what fifty one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean he's got yeah. Like I don't want to be working that hard in the Atlanta Georgia heat and humidity for sure. Yeah, he's no uh, Liam Neeson. I just, I just think that he might be done. The days of Daryl killing a tank single-handedly and doing all that shit, it might might be over. But okay. then again, I'm, I'm waiting for the finale to make, have me eat my words. I mean, it was pretty humiliating. Like, the the king... Uh, the, the idea that Daryl would be brought down by an arrow is pretty hilarious mm. to me, uh, being the king of the crossbow. But is his cri- kryptonite? Irony. Like, what's what's Daryl going to do? Murder a bunch of kids? I don't think he's got it in him. I don't think if, like, you put no. him in Michonne's shoes at the end, I think Daryl dies. I don't think Daryl can mow down waves of damaged children. I mean, may I don't know. Maybe he's... Yeah, I mean, the, the he, difference he, is, like, Judith is, is Michonne's daughter, and she needs to do what she needs to do to protect her, right? Like... Yeah, maybe Daryl doesn't deep, have that but, incentive quite quite the same way. You know, it's, it's Rick's daughter, yeah. so I think there would be a little bit uh, he he might think about yeah. it for a good long second, but you're 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 right. I might, but I'm just saying that like like Michonne barely survived this with this out of psychic break. I don't yeah. uh, psychotic break. I don't know that Daryl does. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I think it would do damage to him. And I tell you, do you talk about the the forcing these children to brand their adults? There's some kind of uh, you know complicated ritual of like Mark. Mark your kill and kill your mark stuff, some shit like that. Yeah, earlier um, in the episode, they show like a, a picture of like stringing up a deer and and uh, butchering it, like like a mm-hmm. diagram on how to do that. And it seemed like you think that they were going to eat them. Oh, I, I don't know. I don't think they were going to eat them. Um, but like it was like so like do you brand that that's your first step of dehumanization and then then you have to hunt the the person down to kill them because they said mark what you kill, kill what you mark. I I was wondering yeah. like why because they clearly don't travel with adults. Obviously, that's something that uh, Jocelyn is is not going to uh, tolerate. But I just want to say you know there again, um, Denai Guerrera like her primal scream right into uh, Rutina Wesley's face was powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that whole scene was was about was as rough as we've seen in anything in The Walking Dead. And the fact that children are perpetrating it and having things perpetrated just takes it to the next level. I'm actually impressed that the show did it and didn't fuck it up. Like, that's some yeah. really fuck... That's, you know, that's some... You're, you're, you're talking about wartime atrocity stuff here. And the show did it in a thoughtful way that really made you kind of sick. Um, mm-hmm. So, kudos. So, there's a very quick flash forward to now um where michonne encounters a bunch of walkers 
looking for Judith and she she screams her name. It, it seems like I think a bad idea. Um, yeah, they didn't establish this, but I, that's Judith's bike, the rainbow kind of bike that's parked. Like they didn't establish oh, okay. her. I don't think she had this bike, but that's because I again I had to rewind. Like, why the fuck is this happening? It's because she saw this kid's bike parked at the side of the road. And uh, do you think Judith came out here? I guess to catch up with Henry and and what's or do you think she just went out? I guess she went out there to help Henry and Daryl. Or yeah, I, specifically Daryl, I think. Because uh, I could also believe that she just go out there and kill zombies in frustration. You know, not quite being willing to run away, but but that's what her note said. So yeah, said she was going to help a friend. Uh, and then we go to the flashback again. Daryl gets loose and lets Michonne out. Uh, they go looking for Judith, and Jocelyn's kids fight Michonne. She's forced to bash one of them with with one of their bones into dust with a pipe. Uh, they flee in terror, but not before slashing her pregnant belly. Um, she manages to make it outside and murder Jocelyn, but she really doesn't want to kill any of these kids. Unfortunately, she has to kill like 12 of them before they relent and she gets Judith back along with a few new kids. Um, and, and this is all intercut with her slicing down walkers and every time in the, in the present, right? So when she's looking for Judith in the present, she's slicing these walkers and these walkers are standing for the kids that she's slicing in the flashback. It's all really, I thought, expertly crafted. Um, yeah. It it both connects the dots between these two situations, right, where Judith is missing in both and she's desperately trying to find her. But it also serves as a way to not have to show her slaughtering children yeah, and still getting have... the point across. Exactly. It's hard, like, even Michonne, as much as we like her, watching her murder a dozen children would be a lot. So this is, like, I want to say a tasteful child murdering scene. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, as, it's... As tasteful it's, as... It's, it's like a, there's a Revenge of the Sith, you know? Like, a, that's another tasteful child murder scene. Master Anakin, okay. what are we to do? You know, then cut, then, then, then star wipe or whatever. But yeah. This used to be how most murder scenes were done in, in cinema, and now... That's true. We just show heads being lopped off and people being bisected and shit. So like, it, you know, this, this uh, kind of harkens back to an older era of cinema in a way. Um, but also like, I, I remember how surprised I was and how wrong it felt when Jackie Chan beat the shit out of a bunch of kids in the next, in karate kid, the remake. Yeah. Yeah. This is that times 12. If they had shown uh-huh. it, I don't know that, I wanted that actually. Like I am glad yeah. that they steered clear of that. Yeah. yeah. And I no, look, I, I'm I'm a guy who likes to see a lot of perverse shit in his media. Um I, I go looking for those experiences sometimes. Like this, I, I don't know that that's what I wanted in this moment. So good yeah, on Because usually for not that, doing. that type of entertainment they don't ask you to connect too deeply with the characters. For sure. Yeah, you know, and here we have characters we love and care about, and I thought like going back to pre-time jump Judith, who is at peak of her adorableness, like her coming and seeing her mom covered in blood and all these children that she was just playing with the night before, lying dead at her feet and like being scared and unsure, and then calling him. I I thought like you know as a father myself, um, it's just incredibly incredibly effective and told exactly the story they wanted to do. And it also like all these things. If I go back and listen to me ragging on Michonne about, you know, doing her crazy Morgan clearing and, you know, like, no, she's got a legit, a lot amount of poison inside her that she has to let out somehow in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, so like I would have been a lot more sympathetic to Morgan had, you know, they shown him going through some shit like this. But even then, it's like, you know, Michonne's not going to do the Morgan thing. She's going to... She had a reaction to a bad experience. Uh, she's had some distance put, you know, put between that and her. And she's had people that she love and trust kind of gently lead her back to the light. And I don't expect her to go back into crazy Gestapo Michonne mode. I'll be very yeah. disappointed if she does. So it's, an, it's a nice long season arc for her. Mm-hmm. What do you know? Uh, then Michonne and Judith uh, in the present day talk about what she did to save her that one time she was kidnapped by the Lord of the Flies. Uh, mm-hmm. Judith remembers it, which surprises Michonne. Uh, and she also realizes that she understood why she was doing the things she was doing the entire time. Uh, Judith is sad because she feels like they don't love their friends anymore. 
because they're not doing what it takes to help them. Yeah, well, we we never stopped loving them, and that's like uh, that's the difference in words and action, right? Words and deeds. You know, you mm-hmm. can, it's easy to say you love somebody, but it's very hard to sacrifice and pay the time and attention like you do care about them. So, again, I'd like this all done at Carl's graveside. Um, it's yeah, tragic and- because she's trying to protect Judith from something that she didn't need protected, and and, and that just harmed their relationship because she just sees her mom you know, carrying all this guilt and shame and, you know, being not trusting her to handle things in an adult manner that she's already been. And, and it must be especially frustrating because not only does she have personal memories of it, but she's also been talking to Uncle Negan mm-hmm. and Uncle Daryl and be getting kind of straight poop anyway. So it just alienated her from her mom. And, yeah. you know, that's another thing that Negan pointed the threw back at her. It's like, you know, if you were straight with her, maybe you would be having this conversation with her instead of me right now. Mm-hmm. So she's now having that conversation. It's, an, it's, again, a nice little through line. Yeah, and I think, you know, it, it's it's complicated, right? I mean, Michonne, uh, you know, by saying, oh, uh, you know, we got to, uh, Judith is saying we got to go help the ones we love, um, mm-hmm. demonstrate their love, but also... She's got an entire community to consider and, uh, you know, some some amount of protection, protectionism here or whatever is warranted. Right. You don't want to just let everybody in. And and I like, you know, what Judah says um, kind of to rebut the idea that they would just cut themselves off is they've beat Negan. They've beat the saviors. They can do it again if they need to, you know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think she's right about that. And I, I. so, so it's complicated. I ultimately think Judith is correct. You know, they can't just abandon people and for the sake of like not getting involved. But right. yeah, there will be prices to pay. Um, and I well, think we're going to see one coming up pretty soon here with the whispers, right? Yeah, I mean that's the but that that's the tension, right? Like yeah. uh, it's a weak society that retreats upon it into itself and becomes fearful. It's a strong society that realizes that they can handle you know, challenges will come up and they'll yep. be able to handle it because they have a strong community and they're there for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do this all in a very show, not tell kind of way. Um, yep. that, uh, I, I think, I think just really connected with me. So another flashback here. Um, it's quick. Daryl and Michonne returned to Alexandria with the children and they shut the gate for good behind them. Um, you know, at least for X amount of years, Six, seven years, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we go to... And they, they also just like, you know, the gates ominously closing. Like, you're, you're understanding this is Alexander closing itself off from the world. Like, this yeah. is the last time Alexander will be, like, open and charitable towards people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it feels like, yeah, like the, the, the sound cue, even of, like, that exaggerated, like, prison clank. It just feels like Alexander's got put on lockdown. It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, and then we go back to now where Michonne takes Judith to Carl's grave, tells her about how the loss of Rick has rippled through the community, um, how they reacted by forsaking what Rick wanted in the first place just to try and keep themselves safe. Uh, and then she vows to protect everyone they love. And they drive the wagon out to the road and find Daryl's group just kind of waiting out there. I, I don't know if they were on the road and ducked off of it when they heard a wagon coming and then came back when they realized it was Michonne. But like... D- it seemed a little convenient. Um, and then they, yeah. they pick him up, they head over to the kingdom and I guess they're calling them skinwalkers. I've heard that term in this episode, but you know, the, the whispers, uh, get eyes on them, uh, eyes on the gates of the kingdom. I think it's funny that, and I don't know if they're doing this, uh, me, me cause, but the whispers are what they're called canonically in the comics. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny that their, their stubborn refusal to call them whispers when it seems like it's the most skin jobs and skin walkers and live zombies or live walkers and all this shit. It's, it mirrors this show's refusal to call zombies zombies. Uh-huh. Like we're just never going to use the canonical, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's weird. It's, it's one of those things I love as like a big zombie fan. Every single zombie movie has like, the nickname they give to the zombies, right? Sure. No, very yeah. few actually call them zombies. Um, call them deadheads, dumb fucks, whatever. This this show has consistently done that with new group, groups of survivors, which I I like. And now extending that yeah. to whatever these things are, whispers, skin jobs, whatever. I do. I, I think it. it's, it's awesome. Like you, 
you extend the courtesy to your own IP that you don't refer to it by its in by its I guess yeah. extra universe name. No, um, it does. It does things like that. Tell me that the group of people making this show do actually love zombie movies, mm-hmm. right? They they love that genre, and as someone who has loved that genre for a long time, I think it's great. It's great. Yeah, agreed. And I also like uh, is, is uh, Michonne's wagon a little sporty. Is is it a chopped minivan? Is that what I'm it might, I was thinking? It might be a chopped minivan or a chopped like Geo Prism or something. It's it's very okay. small, low slung, and crucially, their headline is below the horse's asses. <laughs> so they're just so getting I don't clouds. I don't. Not only are they not only are they getting just blasted with shit stench every couple miles from my horse my horse experience, uh-huh. but also they can't see where they're going. <laughs> right. Their front view is just a horse ass, man. Look, man, if we're going to have a community, we got to trust the horses. We got to trust them. <laughs> yeah, I em. guess so. I guess so. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that low slung vehicle would, vehicle would not be a great uh, candidate for for becoming a, a horse buggy. But I want to see one of those lifted, like the big ass, you know, like 45 inch tire uh, trucks. I want to see. Cause a monster th- truck? Th- come on, it's George. <laughs> like. Okay, it's not Georgia, but it's Georgia. Like they're, mm-hmm. they've got to be around. They've got to be yeah. around. Just get a big oh, lifted truck. You can you can get. I mean, that's the thing. Outside of every American city, it's not like New York State is fucking, you know, mega city one, right? You get no, an hour that, outside no. New York City, you're in the land of lift trucks. Like they, yeah. they'd be everywhere. They'd be everywhere. Of course, yeah. it'd be hilarious. And and as you pointed out, more effective truck nuts dangling from the mm-hmm. i don't know how you load one of those <laughs> things though <laughs> like that's true yeah it's you need a ladder and you gotta yeah a, a, a pulley that, system i don't know yeah I, I bet that's that's one of the I, maybe the, we've given the blacksmith shit this whole time but i bet there is a complicated relationship but like hey if you make the wheels bigger they roll easier and they're less likely to sink in mud but you reach a point where it's above shoulder height and you can't no lo- you can no longer like load it effectively uh-huh. i bet the constant uh, the constantoga wagon is like the evolutionarily ideal form of wagon so maybe the blacksmith is like yeah hey, you know we could yeah. try 12 foot wheels or 1 foot wheel what the fuck i don't know <laughs> or we could just go with the, the 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 tried and true yeah don't don't know why michonne's going around in a fucking bombed out fiero uh because that can't be that can't be the ideal transport for anything but you know what 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 do i know yeah that's it man did we get the the worst scene the whispers debating about whether they should tell oh yeah i mean the worst line is we we must tell alpha yeah no shit no shit yeah so they've got everything. They got. They've skipped Alexandria. They've gone straight to the kingdom. Uh-huh. I wonder. So it seems clear to me that all the heroes are going to be at the kingdom, and then the whispers are going to attack it. And th- but I don't. I don't know what happens after then because my gut fear is that's just going to launch a uh, launch a whole new round of morgalizing. That like, you know, Michonne just got this idea yeah. that, hey, you know, maybe we go and protect and then they go and a bunch of people die and the kingdom gets overrun anyway. And we did all this to save the kingdom. And like, why does it even matter? Although, I don't know, that's kind of justifiable. Uh, maybe I would be down for another line of like it or like maybe Michonne wants to stay the course. But like people like Aaron are just like, what the fuck mm-hmm. are you doing? You know, we just finally all got on the same page with you, and now you wanting to be this swashbuckler that's reuniting the kingdoms on that stuff. I don't. Maybe I should be. I shouldn't be yeah. too quick to dismiss the morgalizing because there's actually interesting sociological arguments for it this time. Yeah, and I think you know before the morgalizing was all focused on Morgan, right? And like, right. Every season, you know, <laughs> I'm being generous. Every season. Uh, every episode he'd switch back and forth and he'd have mm. this conversation with himself. Right. And he'd, he'd be essentially just looking in the mirror going, do I kill? Don't I kill? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, White knuckle in a stick. Am I going to, am I going <laughs> to Right. And, but, but this is interesting dynamics between community members, right? It's yeah. It's and between communities. She's, she's kind of creating a monster and now, and now that she's created this monster, poten- potentially in Aaron, who 
you know, is is more Michonne now in the isolation department than Michonne is. Uh, she doesn't have the leverage to change his mind the way that Judith changed hers, right? I, I can't see, like, is it Jesus? Is is there, that would only push him further down that road, right? Like, there's right. nothing, he, he needs to have the experience she had uh, to come back from that place, and I don't know what's going to get him there at this point. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. This could could be a battle between you know the the council being split again and Aaron being overridden and Aaron going well fuck this I'm going to take matters in my own hands. I, who knows? Because that's knows? another theme of the like you know they got this loose hierarchy of government, but then if you're a na- if you're a named character, if you're a star of the show, you can just kind of go rogue and decide uh-huh. fuck fuck the council decision. I'm going to leave and you know what the hell I'm outside the walls. What are you going to do? The worst you can do is not let me back in. Yeah, uh, that's that cowboy kind of stuff is something they're going to have to rein in too. It's this goes back yeah. all the way to season three. Carol unilaterally deciding to kill people uh, and, and infected in the prison. You know, like is the council yeah. got teeth or not? Um, yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all this uh, proto government kind of stuff. It's going to be cool. Not to mention the fairs coming up. And I, I don't know what the oh, fair is yeah. going to be. There's going to be a movie and there's going to be a big paper tiger. And I, I'm I, I excited for whatever it is. Tiger. Right. Yeah. No, this is going to be fucking awesome for sure. Yeah. I, I can't wait to see what the mega bus does. Uh-huh. It's mm-hmm. going to transform into a big yellow lizard that eats cars. <laughs> the, the dunk tank, I'm sure, will be spectacular. Bossasaurus. Oh, sure. Sure, yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's it for the episode. Yeah. Um, we are coming in hard on to the end of this uh, season we got two episodes next week's the penultimate the week after that will be the finale uh and at the finale is probably where we're going to consider feedback again so if you've got some backlogged uh we've been getting some in uh week by week but if you'd like to shoot an email shot at us you can do so at watching dead at baldmove.com we'll collect those and uh, go over everyone's thoughts uh going into the uh, season nine finale in just a few weeks I cannot wait. Cannot wait to see this fair debacle that is shaping up. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's it for Walking Dead. We finally f- figured out what the scars are. Thank God. I was really f- afraid I was going to get I was going to get spoiled a time or two when I was looking at people's names on Walking Dead Wiki. Mm, uh, yeah. But uh, I, I made it. I made it through without being spoiled. Hopefully, everyone else did too. <laughs> we'll see you next week for the penultimate episode. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. Later. Later.